Veronica has her sword, Tom has his laser, and I have my mind. And a mind needs books and this podcast as a sword needs a whetstone if it's to keep its edge. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to pledge support and sharpen your mind. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. Ah, yes. Sorry we're a week late. Uh, We got delayed, Mm -hmm. but we are not only back uh, covering last week's episode, but we're going to just keep on the train with a special guest talking about the wrap up next week. Yeah, I'm so excited. We haven't done this in a while. And I feel like people can probably guess who it's going to be. That's should we, right. It's we George R. R. Martin. No, I'm not. <laughs> Someone even more important even to this book club. Better. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, maybe we'll maybe we'll we'll tease it out at the end of the yeah, episode. Stick around at the end of the show. We'll tell you who it is. There you go. No fast forwarding. Um, I'm no not flipping. drinking. I'm not drinking anything tonight. I just got off work. I didn't really have a chance to like yeah, grab anything. Same here. It's like five o'clock, which <sighs> would be drinking time, I guess, normally. But I normally. get my act together. So I'm having water. I am drinking water. It's not even sparkling water, though. Like, it's just water. I have an empty can of Waterloo on my desk. I have an empty um, Adobe. Uh, what are these called? These bottles. These fancy Oh crap! I'm blanking on the what name of those called? fancy bottles with the screw top, and the, yeah. they're like a thermos. And everyone has them. It's not a hydro anyway. flask, is it? No, it's not a hydro flask. It's this different. is a hydro flask. I have also have a. That's not a hydro flask. This is. They can't see it. Anyway, um, I have a lot of water bottles on my desk. They're all empty. Well, that's because you're hydrated. That's staying hydrated. That's right. And until I need it, which is now. It's uh, so let's let's uh yeah, let's forego the what are we drinking and jump right into our quick burns. John Taloni pointed out that Gail Carriger's latest Defy or Defend, number two in the Delightfully Deadly series, is now out. This book is the second in the Delightfully Deadly series. I just said that, (laughs) but that's what he wrote. Uh, It follows Dimitri from the Finishing School books in her later adventures. Oh, nice. Oh, that that would be fun. You know, I was just thinking I... I, I did start this month's June's book pick, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the episode, but I've been kind of craving something fun. And we talked, I think last time when we were talking about fun books, we mentioned Gail Carriger. So maybe it's time for me to pick up some more of the finishing book stories. As the the series is delightfully deadly, I find Gail Carriger's books delightful as well. Mm-hmm. And deadly. Sometimes in, in deadly. Yeah. Yeah. Richard says the Science Fiction Fan Groups Association of Nippon, SF Fan, has announced the finalists for the 2020 Seiyun Awards, the Japanese equivalent of the Hugo Awards, honoring the best original and translated works published last year in Japan. So A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers is in Best Translated Novel. Uh, The Paradox Men by Charles L. Harness as well. Jade City, Fonda Mm -hmm. Lee. The Three-Body Problem by Sishin Liu, translated in this case by Toya Tachihara, Nozomi Omori, Sakura Mitsuyoshi, and Chai Wang. Team effort there, which I guess makes me even more impressed uh, of the job. What are you looking at? that was I was I was trying to find my copy of it because I ah. thought it was behind me. Uh, yeah, uh, 
took four people to do the job of, of one to put that nice. from Chinese to English or Chinese to Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Only Human by Sylvian Nouvelle, A Man Lies Dreaming by Lavi Tidhar, and The Murderbot Diaries um, by Martha Wells, translated by Naoya Nakahara. Nice. So that's great. Uh, thank you so much, Richard, for for pointing those out. It's always good to see these award nominations because it, it helps you uh, build up your book list. There's and of course, cool while these are all recent books, they're not all necessarily 2020 books because sometimes right. it takes a little bit longer for the translated version to come out. Seth uh, pointed out that Book Riot has picked 15 great science fiction podcasts <gasps> and guess who made the list? I'm That's learning right. about this now. <laughs> SFF. Yeah. No, also sword and laser. Uh, yeah, they they were very nice to put us on the list with, with amazing podcasts like flash forward and the SFF audio podcast. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much, uh, book riot for, for throwing us in there. That's awesome. That's so nice. I want to, Ooh, yeah. Interview. Yeah. Okay. I'm just reading their description of us. Cause like I said, I just discovered this right now. So I'm kind of excited. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Um, we have Mark who says miss reading in public, bring the sounds of the library to your home. The New York public library has compiled an album of noises we miss, including the sound of the library itself. Oh my gosh. The sound of the library. Is that like, are you playing it? No, no, I'm not. I'm just trying to imagine (laughs) what it would be. I thought you had like magically pulled up your like sound effect, like board and we're about to play like the sounds of the library. And I was very excited. I'm sorry. Is the library in a subway station? That's. To see an underground show. So this is the New York Public Library putting out the missing sounds of New York. Okay. Ah, here we go. This one is the library. The not quite quiet library. These are not the soothing sounds of the library I expected. <laughs> that is, are we sitting on the steps outside of the library? <laughs> maybe, maybe. So this is, I'm glad we listened to this because this is, if you're missing the sounds of the city, these are the sounds of the city uh, that will, you know, bring back what it was like when there were more people around. Of course, things are loosening up, so it's probably not as quiet uh, as it was, but this is really, really nice. Uh, That's still a cool The sound of the library itself, though, was a lot, lot louder than I expected. I was, yeah, I was expecting kind of like muffled walking on carpet and like flipping through people flipping through books or the sound of the push cart going down the aisles as the librarians like restock the shelves. I want what you were describing. Well, we could do that. I feel like that's a project I would have done in college, like that kind of like sound pastiche. Oh yeah, totally. Of things that would have been fun. Uh, Erskine pointed mm-hmm. out Neil Gaiman just announced the first three graphic novels of Sandman will be released July 15th as an audiobook on Audible. And Erskine says, I, for one, cannot wait as I love this series. Uh, we've talked about this idea of a graphic novel as an audiobook. Should be really interesting. Richard added, so excited for this as well. The cast looks amazing. Michael Sheen as Lucifer, Riz Ahmed as the Corinthian, and James McAvoy as Dream. I like that Michael Sheen's back in, in another, like, except this time he gets to be the the devil instead of the angel. 
<laughs> He's swapping sides. He's swapping, swapping teams. <laughs> Swat te- uh, game and uh, seeing if he can bat from both sides of the plate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's also, I hadn't even really thought about the fact that it's also another Gaiman story. <laughs> Did That's you know great. that Michael Sheen and David Tennant are doing a uh, 15 minute episode series for BBC called Staged? Where they're no. part of a theater company that's in isolation, like it's a it's a you know COVID nineteen story. I did not know that. That sounds yeah. amazing. That's Where being can you done get for that? BBC. That's being done for BBC One. It's not out yet, so I'm curious if it shows up anywhere else besides BBC One. That would be great. We'll find ways. Mark says Murderbot will be back in 2021. There is an announcement and a cover reveal for Fugitive Telemetry by Martha Wells. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yes, this is going to be the first look at the gorgeous cover for the next novella in the Murderbot Diaries. And yeah, it looks pretty, pretty yeah, awesome. Those this bots is another look one. Murdery. They <laughs> looking a little murdery over there. Um, that's another one that I want to catch up on. Tor had it as their um they were giving each uh short story away, novella away as their like book of the week thing, mm-hmm. um, like a few weeks ago. And I had trouble signing up, so I didn't get the second one, which is the one, the next one I wanted to read. But then I got the third one, and then Uh I was like, "Mm, I guess I'll just buy them all. So I got frustrated. (laughs) Oh, poor Veronica got screwed trying to download a free thing. (laughs) Free thing. Uh, Well, you know, it makes a difference. You might need that money for something else. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Um, We're going to finish with a rasher of yawn. (laughs) <laughs> a rasher of yawn. A rasher is two, right? Like I a rasher of bacon? I don't know. I think so. Uh, Jan said, Tor.com reports that the British Science Fiction Association has announced the winners of the BSFA Awards for works published in 2019. The winner for Best Novel is Children of Ruin by Adrian Tchaikovsky. And the award for Best Shorter Fiction goes to Sword and Laser Pick, This Is How You Lose the Time War by Woo-hoo! Amal Elmatar and Max Gladstone. Best Nonfiction Work went to The Pleasant Profession of Robert A. Heinlein by Farah Mendelssohn. And Best Artwork went to Chris Baker for his cover for warism and other stories. Uh, congratulations to all the winners. Thank you, Jan. Yeah, absolutely. Jan also says that J.K. Rowling has announced the release of a new children's novel, The Ichabog. The novel will be released for free for children in lockdown, chapter by chapter, on weekdays between the 26th of May and the 10th of July on the Ichabod website. Rowling writes on her webpage that she wrote most of the first draft in between Potter books, intending to publish it after Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, but then decided to step away from children's books for a while, and at that point, quote, the first draft of the Ichabod went up into the attic. Then a few weeks ago, Rowling, quote, mooted the idea of getting the Ichabod down from the attic and publishing it for free for children in lockdown. And when her teenagers were excited about the idea, she started to work on the manuscript again, which is now ready to be released. She further writes that it was written as a read aloud book, but is suitable for seven to nine year olds to read to themselves. There's an illustration contest for children 7 to 12 who can submit pictures to the local publishers to be included in the eventual print release. And Rowling has also pledged to donate her author's royalties for that release to COVID-19 relief. Oh, that's uh, that's great. Uh, and the Ichabod sounds kind of fantasy-ish. I don't know anything about the story. I haven't been downloading it myself. Have you? No, I, I am also just learning about this now. <laughs> I've been busy. 
<laughs> uh, you've arrived. The website. I had the story. Yeah, yeah. This lockdown. Ichabog. I'm trying to find if the, if she gives any hints, but she really doesn't. So you just have to read it. Go That's check okay. it out. All right. JK Rowling. Hooray. Very, very cool. I like that she like had to go. I love this image of her like getting the dusty old tome, like the manuscript out of the attic and like blowing off getting the spider the dusty webs. Getting the old and, think pad from yeah. the attic. And then her kids being like, oh, yes, mommy. Do release Please. it to the world, mommy. Oh, tell the world of the Ichabog, mommy. Do tell. Um, that's how I guess her teenage children speak. It's li- I mean, she would think she was talking to her children if she heard us right now. I'm sure. That's I, I'm I'm sure. Um, so very cool, everyone. Thank you so much for submitting your stories. You can always do that in the Quick Burns thread, or drop us an email, or send us a tweet. Always on the lookout for stuff to talk about on the show. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. And we got this great email from David who says, Dear Tom and Veronica, I always enjoy your author interviews. I'll have to put Veronica Roth's chosen ones on my to-read pile. I never really noticed characters named Veronica until you two mentioned that you don't see them much. In the past few weeks, I've come across two. The Untamed Beauty on the Lost World TV show from the 90s, which is streaming on Amazon Prime, is named Veronica. And the main character looking for love in Dark Angel, The Ascent from Full Moon Entertainment, is also named Veronica. Also, if you need a laugh, Kill the Farm Boy by Kevin Hearn and Delilah Dawson is a fun read spoofing quest novels. If Mel Brooks directed a fractured fairy tale episode. <laughs> um, yeah, I saw that they were doing a an online uh, reading and Q&A uh, uh, recently, uh, and, and it looks like this is a really fun read. I've had the audiobook for it for a while, and I just haven't gotten a chance to listen to it yet, but I, I feel like I'm going to move it up on my list because I am looking for something fun. It? I don't. Mm. I don't remember. Um, so the Veronica thing is funny. I, I have spent this uh, quarantine watching uh, Schitt's Creek on Amazon Prime, which has been become basically my favorite show. I've got three episodes left, um, which I'm going to finish watching tonight. And I didn't realize, but Ronnie, there's a character Ronnie on the show and her name is Veronica. Oh, She's Ronnie, Ronnie is a, which you yeah. have uh, prohibited me from ever saying to you. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I hate that nickname. I feel yeah. like I shouldn't even be saying this publicly because it's only going to ask for trouble. Right. Um, but but it, now it you have my a, least favorite. a character you like. Yeah. I like her okay. Tough. She's fine. That's tough. It's, it's, I was like, oh, it, it made it sense until Moira started calling it Veronica. <laughs> it just cracked me <laughs> up. That but doesn't sound uh, like Moira um, at all. Uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh, um, oh, wait, no. I'm thinking of Archie. Oh yeah. Uh, which is, which is not called Archie. It's Riverdale. Riverdale, Riverdale. is the same universe. Uh, Riverdale has the Veronica from the Archie comics. I mean, she's basically the Veronica. I mean, that is the one. The er Veronica. Yeah. She's the one I've gotten my entire life. That and the Elvis Costello song. Right. Um, yeah. So those were the two, those were the proto Veronica's in my Every world. Every time I hear that Elvis Costello song, I think, man, it must suck for Veronica to be named Veronica when the song comes on. I know. Well, <laughs> also the Hanukkah song. That was a good one. That was fun. Tell uh, your friend Veronica. That was a good one. Yeah. 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 But it eh, balances it out. So anyway, thank you for, for noting that. <laughs> we also got some responses about good uh, adaptations that authors hated. We, we speculated like what movies out there do, do people love, but the author hates. 
Uh, and Jan was among the people who wrote, I think, the best known example, and I think I think Jan is right, mm-hmm. for an adaptation not liked by the author, but in general considered very good, is probably The Shining. Stephen King hates the Stanley Kubrick movie because of the shift of theme and message, but is in general considered a masterpiece. And the other big example is, of course, Disney's Mary Poppins, which was very much disliked by P.L. Travers. I had no idea. Well, I mean, I, I knew, knew about, about the, Shining. the Shining. I did not yeah. know about Mary Poppins. Yeah. And that's another, that's like a beloved film. There was a, uh, there was a play on that on the series Fresh Off the Boat, which is actually one of the uh, lockdown series that we've been watching, uh, where Jessica, the the main character of the main family, is uh, a big fan of Stephen King and gets in an argument about someone who watched The Shining but never read the book. And she <laughs> takes the Stephen King side of that argument. That's great. And then Trike says, authors hating good movies made from their books is actually quite common. Thanks, Trike. I'm sure there are dozens of examples, a few off the top of my head. Roald Dahl hated Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Had no idea. Winston Groom likewise despises Forrest Gump. Ken Kesey hated One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. E.B. White and his wife hated Charlotte's Web. (laughs) And a special bonus just for Veronica, Stanislaw Lem hated both versions of Solaris. Well, he might be right to hate the second one for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if this is Solaris considered a good film. The first one is considered like a, an indie classic. The, okay. Uh, the, yeah, the, the other one, not, not as much. Um, but yeah, and these are one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Uh, also often considered one of the greatest, you know, top 20, 30 films of all time. Uh, so yeah, those are, those are some big ones. Yeah. Uh, Willy Wonka too. Beloved <laughs> film, beloved <laughs> film and Roald Dahl over there going, drag got it all hey. wrong. Did you hear, speaking of films that have been remade, did you hear all of the Labyrinth news this week? Yes, I did. Sequel to Labyrinth, potentially. Mm-hmm. Very and, interesting. Uh, I saw, I was very confused because the director of Doctor Strange is on board for it. And right. I see Robert Cargill, uh, who wrote the Doctor Strange script tweeted something about it. But then when I went and looked at the news, I didn't see Cargill's name associated with it. So I'm like, okay, is he just not mentioned in the story? Which I think that must be it. He must be on board to write something for it, but I'm excited. I'm excited too. I, I want some interesting, like Goblin King shakeups. Cause obviously we can't have Bowie back, but, uh, someone, I, someone on Twitter mentioned like Janelle Monet or like Tilda Swinton, oh, uh-huh. like in there as oh, like Tilda Swinton. Yeah. It's like Goblin oh. King. Um, Lady Gaga, I saw mentioned, which would be pretty (laughs) rad. That would be awesome. Trying to think like, like, especially as like a spiritual successor to Bowie, like having Gaga do. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's right. For some reason, Issa Rae popped into my mind too. She'd be fun, but you need someone who can sing. Yeah. What do you try to say? Well, Janelle Monet can really sing. <laughs> Janelle Monet can sing. That's obviously. Really good yeah. I, I honestly like in my I brain. Don't know. Tilda like, Swinton I, feels like she is the Goblin King, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. That one just hit me. I'm like, that's a very Bowie like successor. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm she's excited. Kind of spooky. Cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Uh, and finally, we should mention John Taloni pointed out mm-hmm. Arthur Clark uh, was displeased with how 2001 turned out. Of course, that is considered a classic as well. And uh, Michael Moorcock has an article that includes a lengthy discussion of that at newstatesman.com. 
Yeah, we'll include that in the show notes. Um, interesting. So yeah, very good answers. Thank you, everyone. Got a couple of mentions of that um, Shining example. I think that's probably the most famous famous example that that is out there. I would say. I like that. I like this. Uh, you know, coming up with a conundrum and and getting folks to to chime in. Uh, with things. This was this was really fun and illuminating. So uh, if you think of other questions like that, maybe one you'd like answered, uh, post it on the Goodreads forum. Are you trying to crowdsource the questions to be crowdsourced? <sighs> you can never tell the crowd you're crowdsourcing them, Veronica, then they'll never do it. Oh, the wisdom of the crowds. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, um, like we mentioned, we're, we're not going to do a full wrap up of Magician Apprentice today because next week we're going to have Terp Kristen Yay! Um, on the show. Yeah. And she, she was the one who suggested this. This was a book that she read many, many years ago um, and remembered really enjoying. And so I, we wanted to see how it held up, how, how, how it feels to reread something after so long. This book came out in 1982. I feel like Terp Kristen has been a part of Sword and Laser longer than Sword and Laser has been around. It kind of feels that way, doesn't it? <laughs> like, like she was there in the book club before the Ning Forum was even created, like just yeah. waiting. Yeah. Well, there's got to be people who were buzz out loud listeners. Like, I feel like they oh, yeah, came definitely. over like right away also. Mm-hmm. So there's, yeah, it's kind of funny to think about. But anyway, yeah, Terp's been around for a super long time, Kristen. Um, and we're happy to, to, to have her on the show. We haven't had a book club member on the show in a very long time. Uh, before we get to talking, even in non-spoilery terms, about Magician Apprentice a little bit this episode, uh, I do want to mention that we do have our June pick. Uh, anybody on the Patreon would have seen that already, and it's been announced in the Goodreads as well. Uh, a Memory Called Empire by Arcady Martine. Uh, this is just me getting back on the Hugo train. Uh, a Memory Called Empire is nominated. It is a sprawling political thriller, cyberpunk uh, and Arcady Martine is very interesting as an author. Uh, her name is actually Anna Linden Weller. She writes under the name Arcady Martine. She's a historian and city planner with a BA in religious studies from the University of Chicago and a PH or a, a, a master's in classical Armenian studies from the University of Oxford and a doctorate in medieval Byzantine global and comparative history from Rutgers. Uh, she was a visiting assistant professor of history at St. Thomas University from 2014 to 2015 and a postdoc researcher at Uppsala University 2015-2017. And this is her first novel. And it's wow. bang on into uh, Hugo land. Published in 2019, it is the first of the Texcalan series. Uh, and uh, it's it's really fun. There's some humor to it that I didn't expect, but it's also a sprawling political cyberpunk thriller. Uh, it starts with a an ambassador being called from a, a station system that is outside of the empire, which kind of dominates space, to be uh, become the ambassador in the capital of the uh, of the uh, where is it the oh I, I can't can never, pronounce it I can never say it off <laughs> off the top of my it's my brain like the Texcalani the Texcalani empire. Uh, because the previous ambassador died three years ago and they, they just got around to letting them know that they needed to send a new ambassador. There's also this plot device. I won't say too much about that allows the ambassadors to share memories between each other. But since it's been three years, there's a gap, a 15 year gap. It's yeah, actually a 15 it's year actually gap. bigger yeah. than three years. Cause, cause it's been three years since he came back, uh, three years since they heard from him, but it's been 15 years since he was home to like, you know, deposit the the most recent memories. So 
yeah, this is a, uh, it's a fun one so far. I mean, yeah, I'm have, you, have you started we'll reading it? I have. Yeah. Yeah. I have too. I'm not super far, but, um, yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. It, it definitely, I, I wasn't getting a lot of cyberpunk in it, so I'm curious to see how that kind of manifests. I see hints of that. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm curious. I'm curious if that becomes stronger, if it just kind of stays as an undercurrent. Yeah, but it's 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 pretty fun. I mean, it's very different from Magician Apprentice, that's for sure. So it's been a different quite a different tonal pace. change. Yes. So we're not gonna no spoilery, no no wrap up. Um, I did. I finished Magician Apprentice. I moved on to Magician Master. Um, so I finished both, and I definitely feel like. Magician Apprentice kind of, it does end very abruptly. <laughs> it really feels like half really? a book. It, yeah, it does. Uh, it, 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 it's not so much that you're left with a cliffhanger. It's you're left with things still happening. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, like not like certain things get, get resolved, but other things that I'm not going to be spoilery are just like, well, wait a minute. Are we ever going to go back to that? Well, I assume we will. Right but mm-hmm. not till the next book. Um, feels like an odd choice to break this up in the United States. And I understand why other markets were like, no, you you want this all put out at once. Whereas Lord of the Rings, which was originally one story and broken into three, feels like three books when right. you read it. Uh, you can get to the end of a book and feel like, oh, that was the end of a book. And I can see where there were things that are going to happen in the next book because we haven't, you know, we haven't got to Mordor yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't feel like this where it really does feel like I'm just need to go to the next chapter. It's almost like mid sentence. Not <laughs> quite, but it got kind of has that flavor. Yeah. <laughs> um, I honestly, I think the, I preferred the second book. I thought the second book was, was more interesting and faster paced and had more <laughs> crazy stuff going on. Well, it's like saying I preferred the second half of the book because that's when stuff I finally guess. happened. Right. Well, like I it's it weird, was different, it's but weird. it was different too. It was, it uh-huh. felt like it was written different also like mm. it felt uh, maybe they took more time editing the second one or something i don't know i don't know i think the first book was just a lot of setup for the characters and well, a lot of like yeah place setting world building kind of stuff and then you get I into the action in the second book noticed if you had read it just all as one not knowing it had right. ever been split up yeah totally i mean it's not as different as say like What's the book, um, the Stevenson book, where it's it oh, starts uh, with like the Neil deGrasse Tyson like guy, and then it ends up in outer space. <laughs> not Cryptonomicon or Anathem, no. but Seventies. Uh, Seventies. Seventies. It's not that different. No, but that was that was one book. Yeah, and that was really <laughs> two books. That was could that have been one two book books. was two books. These two books are one book. That would have made sense to break up. Yeah. Anyway. So that's just our little, our little, uh, yeah. to get you excited yeah, about our you, conversation you know, the, for next week. We, we talked a lot about non-spoilery stuff before, so there's not that much more that we can't, we can talk about without getting spoilery. I will say this was fun. It was, mm-hmm. it was a fun fantasy book. Very classic. I did want to read it. Yeah. So. I was finding time to read it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Cool. All right. Well, we won't um, we won't kick up any more uh, about that particular tale because we want to save it for the next episode. Um, but thank you all for listening. As always, of course, our show is entirely funded by you, our patrons. Thank you so much to all the folks who back our show. If you want to help support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Yes. Uh, welcome to Marianne Marcali and Craig Bailey, our most recent uh, new patrons. Uh, you can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. We're on the Instagrams and Twitters at Sword and Laser. Of course, all of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash sword and laser. And you can even call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.